you know, we get into some deeper conversations. Be like, how do you keep going? I'm like, dude, I'm not, I'm not, there hasn't been like 23 years of being professional where I'm just like excited the whole time. Like I've had years where I'm just like, dude, what am I doing? Like, I'm so tired of doing the same thing. I'm just so burnt. Like, honestly, it's just, and it's totally natural when you've, when you've immersed yourself in one thing for that many years, like, dude, you can't help but get burnt out. And honestly, that's, when I ventured into like the mountain bike slopestyle world, part of that was because I was getting like bored. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, we've got somebody I've looked up to for years, um, pro athlete Ryan Nyquist. Uh, Ryan, for people who don't know, maybe they're not as familiar with the BMX world, they don't know about all the X Game medals you've won and now what's going on with the Olympics and stuff, can you give people kind of the just a, a quick overview of, of your background becoming one of the top professional athletes in the world at your sport? Yeah. Um, well, thanks for having me on the show. Um, so you kind of hit the nail on the head. You know, I've been riding uh, BMX freestyle competitively and professionally for, gosh, uh, 25 years-ish, somewhere around there. So um, I'm 40 now, so well over half my life. And, uh, you know, competed in um, pretty much all the top-level events, uh, you know, for going on about 23 years now. And, um, yeah, had some great success, uh, you know, been pretty much on two wheels uh, <laughs> the majority of my career. Uh, those wheel sizes have changed through the years. I've, I've branched out um, a little bit uh, to see what else I could apply the skills to. So I went off into mountain bike world for a few years, had some good success there. And uh, as of recently, you know, um, we have uh, BMX Freestyle in the 2020 Olympics going into Tokyo. And so I sort of hopped into the role of, uh, of coach slash mentor for Team USA. So, um, so that's been exciting too, but still riding competitively as well and trying to you know, um, you know, be the best athlete I can be while still, uh, kind of feeding all the lessons I've learned, uh, sometimes the hard way to that next generation to, you know, help them succeed. That's awesome. You know, um, I think about, um, that list and there's been a lot of great pro athletes in the, in the action sports world over the years. Um, but you know, in addition to so many wins, one of the things that I think is interesting to me is the longevity of your career. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a, you know, any of us who've done the action sports have got the the scrapes and cuts and broken limbs to prove it. Um, what do you attribute uh, such an extended career to when so many people, they, they can't hold on to it so long? Um, I, you know, a lot of it is, I mean, health. You know, when you're a professional athlete, staying healthy is key because it allows you to do what you love and do it longer. So for me, you know, um, I always joke, like, you know, people ask, like, what's your hardest trick or your best trick and stuff? And um, you know, my best skill that I've learned was how to crash. Well, you know, like I can honestly say I'm a really excellent crasher <laughs> and uh, that's like, <laughs> you know, that's one of those things. It's like, you know, in our sport, it's not if you fall, it's when. And so learning how to get out of those situations and being agile or, 
you know, being able to quick think or think quick on your feet or I guess in the air, um, you know, has really served me well being able to just ride. Um, you know, I think part two of that is, you know, being authentic, you know, for me, a lot of it is, you know, image and what you portray. And I've always really prided myself in being, you know, kind of professional while still allowing myself to have fun and showing people like what I'm all about. So whether that's humor or, you know, that even goes into like my style riding, you know, like, um, I've always had a different style and, Sometimes that's gone over well, and in the early days, you know, I got ridiculed for doing certain things a lot, and uh, and I just had to kind of stay that course and kind of maintain what felt good to me on the bike, you know, and that that was a hard thing, hard thing to do, but you know, now it's like all those things that were being ridiculed have turned into praise you know because i stuck with it and i just kept progressing in that direction i felt was my direction and um eventually it it you know got embraced but it took a long time so i think this the combination of all those three are probably you know what allowed me to keep doing it you know and then obviously you know the support of sponsors and stuff like that too but you know i think that you know the way i kind of handle myself professionally on and off the bike um allowed those companies to see me as an asset and you know someone they wanted to partner with for a long time yeah so and and as far as sponsors can you talk about harrow and vans and rockstar and and just what that life has been like a little bit yeah i mean my longest term sponsor right now has been harrow bikes i think i'm on my 23rd year with them which you know and you know it's, it's crazy to think about you know like 1997 i signed with them and what that was like and how exciting that was and then you know fast forward 23 years later and we still have a great relationship. You know, they, they see the value in me and my personality and my riding. And, you know, I, I don't know, it's just pretty incredible. And Rockstar has been a long-term one too. You know, they, they've been great and supporting me and allowing me to, you know, to go to the events and ride. And, you know, there's, I don't know, it's just, there's a lot of really great companies out there that, you know, have been with me for a long time. You know, some of them are, you know, more lucrative than others, but really it's just, you know, having that team of people behind you that want to, you know, kind of push your message, push yourself out there, you know, and, and to be a part of it and to collaborate with. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's been a really, really awesome ride. And, you know, I'm very thankful to have those people behind me because to be honest, I'm not sure if any of this stuff would be possible without that. Yeah. Um, let's say there's somebody who's listening, who is, is thinking that they might want to go that route or, you know, I know you, you and I both have kids, I think somewhat similar ages. Uh, maybe somebody's mm -hmm. helping one of their kids who's actually like potentially getting good enough. What kind of mm -hmm. advice would you have for folks who are who are pursuing that world of getting sponsored that, that maybe isn't obvious to people who haven't been through that game? Yeah, I mean, I think and this goes for anything, you know, it could be music. You know, we just watched the Grammys and I couldn't help but think, like, you know, what was it? Lizzo, you know, like you, you kind of look into her history and it's like, dude, she was just grinding away doing small shows and local shows for like a decade before she got to the point where she is now, or maybe even more, you know, like it's not a quick process. It's like very rare when something happens and blows up that fast. So for everybody thinks, you know, they see what these other pro athletes have and they want that and stuff will get ready to work for it. You know, like it's, it's not something that happens overnight. You know, it's, it's very, very rare. So you know, unless you are this phenom that just can go out there and just like beat all the guys that have been working for 10 plus years at it, like it's going to take a long time. It's going to be a long road and you've got to have patience because one of the things that people want to see is, you know, they want to see you putting in the time, putting in the work, showing that you're dedicated, showing that you're committed, showing that you're passionate, you know, and that's the kind of stuff that really bleeds through to these sponsors that you're trying to get is like, you know, they want someone that people can relate with. And a lot of times that message of like working hard, working, 
you know, just diligently it's something it resonates with people, you know, like, so I don't know, like, <laughs> it's just so many, I get so many messages like on Instagram and stuff. Like, it's like, how do you get sponsored? How do you do this? And it's like, well, you know, it's not forced, you know, like it's, it's really hard to get connected with a company that wants to give you free stuff or even pay you. So it's really, I always tell people, it's like, you know what, go out there and do what you do. Find your path, find your passion and pursue that passion with everything you have, you know, because that's going to resonate. That's going to shine through the crowd, you know, because there are so many people that are trying to do this just for a paycheck. And that becomes very obvious and apparent when things don't go their way, they're really upset. So if you're doing it because you love it and you're doing it because you're passionate about it, that will shine and people will see that. They might not see it right away, but that will get seen eventually and you will reap some benefits. Now, to what level, to what extent? I mean, who knows? But you got to get to that point before it even starts. Yeah, you know, I, I like on your Instagram, for anybody who wants to check it out, it's Ryan Nyquist, and Nyquist is N-Y-Q-U-I-S-T. Um, I like that we get to see you on here riding the backyard ramp with out in the trees with nobody, with no crowds, you know, and just show you putting in the work. Like if, you know, at this point in your career, I think most people would sign off that you paid your dues, and yet you're still mm. out there, you're still out there putting in the work at this point. Um, can you talk about, well, let's start there. Can you talk about dealing with burnout and like, but this is my profession and you know, anyways, can we start there? Yeah, no, that's, that's a, that's a great thing to talk about because I've had, gosh, like, you know, handfuls of like top pros, you know, we get into some deeper conversations and be like, how do you keep going? I'm like, dude, I'm not, I'm not, there hasn't been like 20 three years of being professional where I'm just like excited the whole time. Like I've had years where I'm just like, dude, what am I doing? Like, I'm so tired of doing the same <laughs> thing. I'm just so burnt. Like, honestly, it's just, and it's totally natural when you, when you've immersed yourself in one thing for that many years, like, dude, you can't help but get burnt out. And honestly, that's when I ventured into like the mountain bike slope style world. Part of that was because I was getting like bored. I was getting to the point where I was like, man, like, I, I don't know, like, I don't know what else I can do. And then I hopped on this different bike and granted, like, yeah, it's a bike. It's got handlebars and two wheels, but like the basic, most easiest tricks that I could do on a BMX bike were now a challenge on this bike. And that was just like, oh my God, like I couldn't wait to get that bike back out to the jumps and try some more stuff that I was, you know, that I could literally do with my eyes closed on a BMX bike, but I was nervous about on a mountain bike. And to me, just switching that little bit up was like, oh my God, dude, like I, I want to do this. I generally love this. And it was the challenge, you know, and along that path, I met all these really cool and amazing people. And, you know, and sometimes that's just, I don't know, like, I don't know if you could say like you, you kind of have to take the blinders off for a second and, and get perspective about what you're doing. But for me, that's what it was, you know, and I, I pretty much took a hiatus from BMX for almost three years, you know, and I just pursued that. And I, I made some <laughs> amazing friendships that I probably would never have had had I not like tried it out. So Can for we... me, a lot of that. Oh, good. Well, no, no. Fin finish your thought. I won't forget. Well, I was just say for me, for me, a lot of that, like that burnout stuff is just, you know, like you, you kind of have to switch things up every once in a while. And maybe that's a break. You know, like I've known a lot of people that just like they go so hard during the contest season that they literally don't touch their bike for like a month or two. And they're just like, OK, and then they come back and they're fresh and excited to get back at it. But, you know, sometimes 
for me, even right in the backyard, like you said, like I had this amazing setup in the backyard and it's a couple hundred feet from my house and it's hard for me to get motivated to go out there because I'm like, man, this couch is so nice. I could just lay here. I could, you know, do these other projects or whatever, but it's just like, you know, I know ultimately once I get out there, like I'm happy I did because that's kind of my happy place. It's still my passion, you know, and that's still what I enjoy doing. Um, but yeah, like the burnout, that that's a real thing. And you just have to figure out ways to, to keep it fresh and keep it exciting. You know, um, on the show, obviously it's called Innovation and Leadership. We're always interested in people's approaches to innovation. Um, can you talk for, I want to talk about what, what you think you brought from BMX to mountain biking maybe. But uh, mm -hmm. can we give people like a bit of a scope for like how big those jumps are at Crankworks or these these giant mountain bike tracks and, and how that's different than, you know, riding the half pipe in your backyard or just can you talk about the, the scale of difference? Because you're right. It does sound like oh, I went from pro pro bike riding here to pro bike riding there. Um, yeah. But if they haven't seen yeah. the difference, they may not quite appreciate 18 foot drops and stuff. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, going back to, you know, innovation, like it's, it's a really easy word to throw around progression, innovation, all this stuff like, dude, it's scary. Progression <laughs> innovation is scary. You know, like when you're literally paving a path that nobody else has gone down, like it's terrifying at times it's exciting, you know, because you're like, well, where's this going to lead? But it, it is terrifying. And it takes certain individuals that want to go down that path that nobody's gone down. Like, so, you know, for me, I was terrified trying to do this switchover. I was terrified because I wasn't sure how my sponsor would take it. I wasn't sure if I was going to succeed or not. I might just fail and fall flat on my face, which, you know, is okay. But, you know, the ego takes a little bit of a hit, you know, like, and I think there's also expectations from people outside that you're just going to hop on this, you know, this new path and just kill it. And so, you know, to, to try this stuff out for me was, was terrifying, but it was exciting and it was fresh and it made things really fun. Um, but yeah, that first year I got my ass handed to me, like, you know, like no joke. Like, I think people just thought I was going to go out there and just like adapt. And I think my first contest, first big contest, I got like 26. Um, I was in the teens for the next one. And then after that, <laughs> I was like, okay. Like, I mean, like it's, it was seriously, I was just like, wow, okay, this isn't going to be something easy. This is something I got to work out. So that whole next winter I went home and I just, I pretty much dedicated myself to that bike. I dedicated myself to getting used to it. I dedicated myself to knowing it and seeing what was possible. Like from what I knew on the BMX bike, which was way smaller, way more condensed, um, to this bigger bike that took, you know, twice as much effort to do the same tricks that I could do on the BMX bike, you know? And then the other side of it, which you mentioned before is, these courses were like nothing I've ever ridden ever. Like, the like what do you think speeds. the biggest jump? Yeah. What do you think the biggest distance, biggest gap or like on the mountain bike? Side? Uh, the biggest, the biggest one I ever did was about 40. God, was it 41 or 43 feet? And wow. it's funny because, um, it was, that was kind of like in the middle, middle half. No, maybe the last half of my career in mountain biking. Cause I've kind of took a hiatus from that. Now I'm back on BMX. But, uh, but I was just riding these jumps and then they, we did this like little course preview thing and, um, we had like a measuring tape. And so they're like, all right, so we're going to go through and talk about these jumps and you know what it's like, but then we'll measure them. And I was like, almost, I didn't want to know what the distance was cause I knew it was big, <laughs> but I didn't want to assign a number to it because then, you know, the mental part of it's like, Oh geez, like it felt good when I thought it was 35 and we just measured it's 41, which is by far the biggest jump I've ever flipped or spun or anything like that. And so I didn't, it was, I almost didn't want to know, but like at the same time I was like, I was pumped up. Cause I was like, yo, that's a record for me. Like I didn't even think about it, but yeah, that's huge. So 
that kind of stuff was really cool. Um, but yeah, those, those, those obstacles, like, you know, I had to get used to all that stuff. I had to so, get used to the size, the speed, the feeling, all that stuff. Cause some of those drops, like you said, like 18 feet, like the very first contest I went to, the first thing I had to ride off was like a 15 foot drop. And that was the biggest thing I'd ever done. Like as far as a drop on any bike. So I had to start the course by doing the biggest thing I've ever done in my life. And so I, once I got past that, I was like, okay. And then I got to another part of the course where like there was the next biggest thing I've ever done, which is like a huge step down. And I did that. And I was like, oh my God. And then as soon as I hit that, I was about to hit the biggest double I've ever hit in my life. And I just said, wow, there's three of the biggest things I've ever done on two wheels on this one course. And I'm tackling them and I'm terrified. But when I land, it's amazing, you know? And so you have to kind of like, expand your comfort bubble to be okay with being scared you know and being terrified of these things that you're not sure if if it's going to be okay but there's other people around you saying it's gonna be okay and you know you have those skills so you have to trust it and it's terrifying but man did i grow as a rider and a person because you show up these courses and you're like wow i haven't done this since the last one it's been like three months but it worked fine last time should have worked okay so you just learn to trust yourself and that just bring that confidence back up yeah when you think about that experience and then again, making, you know, BMX back the emphasis again now, um, between your own riding and, and this Olympic coach stuff, how do you feel like that has benefited you for, for this 2020 Olympic, you know, yeah. whole, whole, whole deal? Yeah, it's, it's, it, that has been, uh, a quite a bit of experience, a new experience for me because, um, you know, for the longest time I was, you know, just an athlete and I was just focused on riding well and riding hard and all that stuff. And, and even that has changed through the years with starting a family and marriage and, you know, everything else that you have on the sidelines. But, you know, it was always just me on the bike and what I could, what was possible for me to accomplish, you know? So then you, you kind of fast forward and all of a sudden, you know, like at first I was just coaching the women because I was still trying to be an athlete on the men's side. And that was, it was a good way for me to slowly adjust to that life because, you know, you put so much focus when you're out there on yourself, you know, it's like, you're not really thinking about anybody else. So like, you know, to be able to coach the women first and, and tell them about stuff that I knew and has become second nature for me, but maybe they weren't seen because, you know, the competition scene was fresh for them, or maybe, you know, they weren't experienced hitting things at certain speeds, but, you know, me knowing their ability and having that confidence in them allowed them to feel confident and try things and expand their comfort bubbles. Um, you know, that was, that was a big learning process. And it took me about two years of just working with the women to be like, man, this is awesome. Like I'm finding some great rewards in doing this because when you see someone accomplish something that they weren't sure about, you know, it just, it gets you pumped up, you know, because you help them kind of get to that point. So, um, it's definitely made me grow as a person. And I think a little bit of it is like an extension of just being like a parent because, you know, you're out there and, and you care about these other riders. Like you care about them doing well and you want them to do well and you kind of invest your own energy and your own passion for them. And so, you know, in some ways it's, it's different, but it's just an extension of what I've been doing all these years, which is, you know, you go to these events and you try to prepare your best to, to get the best results. And whether that's you standing on the podium or another athlete, you know, you put that same kind of energy in there. And that's been really fun to kind of discover that I do have a passion for that. I love it. Well, I want to talk about this more on, on part two of the interview. Um, so besides, besides people who want to follow you or, or see more about uh, what you've done in your career, you know, follow you guys headed up to the Olympics, what are the best places to connect? So we've got the Instagram, Ryan Nyquist. Where else? Yep. Um, yeah, Instagram, at Ryan Nyquist, all one word. That's like kind of my main source of connection with fans and stuff. I do have a Facebook uh, fan page. I, I don't frequent as much as I should. 
Um, you know, I'm, I recently got told I got to start a TikTok page, so I have one, but it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty blah, you know, but I, I don't know. At some point I might try to venture on there and check it out. But right now Instagram is probably the best way to okay. just catch, you know, like behind the scenes stuff, what we're doing, what we're up to, you know, and then it's an Olympic year. So we're going to be, you know, team USA on the men and women's side is doing so well, like we're going to be a force out there. So, you know, to follow along with that path, you know, it's just. It's going to be pretty fun, but I'd say right now in the BMX world, Instagram is kind of where you got to be. So Love it. Okay, everybody, please tune in for part two, um, and uh, thanks for listening.